0: That is certainly what Francis Ngana was promising Anthony Joshua is doing when he steps into the ring with him and knockout chaos in March in Riyadh. He says that he doesn't have a chin. Well, he doesn't know whether it's true or not. He's heard he doesn't have a chin and he wants to find out. Um, The heavyweight, the world of boxing is a fascinating space at the moment, isn't it? It's a fascinating space. The way these fights are announced, the way they're scheduled. The trend now of multiple great bouts and and multiple great bouts in the same division landing on the same card, especially here in Saudi. It is a really interesting time, and Joseph Parker finds himself bang in the middle of it as he is going to be, I guess, the main undercard for this uh, event here, knockout chaos, as they are claiming. As Francis Ngannou has seemingly become one of the hottest tickets in the boxing town to talk about this with us uh we're very very lucky to be joined now by tom craze he's a respected boxing voice up there in the uk host of boxing bet show uh talks boxing betting for pinnacle tom lovely to talk appreciate you staying up a bit later for us mate Um, what sort of day was it today up there in the uk in
1: the boxing world good morning louis uh yeah it was um it was a big announcement day um, as we're getting used to as you mentioned with these Saudi cards uh, lots of lots of excitement um, as there always is for a Joshua card but as you say the the extra dynamic of the the kind of multiple big fights on on the same card now and the the kind of the extra uh, extra excitement as well with the uh, collaboration between um, Frank Warren and Eddie Herr and the two big promoters here getting together um, under the the new kind of Saudi. Uh, initiative to to kind of get these big fights on. So, yeah, there's a lot of excitement um, and a lot of intrigue about what this um, fight will look like. Is it really
0: just as simple as the amount of money that's being offered up by the the Saudi sporting scheme and the PIF here has has finally kind of – well, it's meant that these promoters have no choice but to – but to queue up and get in line and make these things happen now. Is the incentive, the financial incentive, is it that significant that these promoters are all of a sudden being able to work together to what I think is it actually service the boxing fan with these
1: bouts? Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to get romantic and say that it's not, but boxing ultimately um, the big fights happen when the money is there. There's very few fights that don't happen, even when, the politics are kind of saying otherwise when the the fighters want it and the money is there fights generally happen. And the difference with the Saudi dynamic is that the, the budget to make these fights is effectively limitless. Um, And so for the first time you're getting fighters, not only take the big fights um, in a a kind of foreign country that where they, they, they'll have no fan base really in the arena, um, but they're also doing it on, on short notice and quicker turnarounds. Whereas before Big fighters would fight maybe uh, twice, maybe three times a year if you're lucky. You're getting someone like Joseph Parker uh, and Anthony Joshua take fights on 10 weeks notice, um, which is a very, very quick turnaround between fights.
0: I don't think, and we can all think of examples, but a lot of sports are experiencing angst at the moment, difficulty trying to work out how to navigate the Saudi dynamic and influence in their sport where they can still keep their frameworks, their current existence, but they know that they have to work with them. Otherwise, they'll just do what they did to golf and they'll buy the sport or, or try to buy the sport, essentially. Whereas boxing, I think it's one of the few sports where, as far as I can tell, is kind of um, benefiting from this. Again, the boxing fan is because uh, getting to watch in the the day of reckoning, I don't know what you made of it, but I thought that card was magnificent. And although it was long and it went on for a very long time, it was fine for us here because it was the morning time in New Zealand. um, I I think it it washed down and it went down very well, Tom.
1: It did. I think ultimately for you'll have a hardcore kind of element of fans who are, um, adverse to this new kind of investment there that, you know, they want the fights in, in the countries they feel they belong in. But I think for the casual fan, the intervention is really fantastic news because they're seeing the fights that they want to happen. You know, you, you are getting Fury against Usyk uh, next month. You're getting Joshua and Ghanu, Fury and Ghanu, And all of these are happening in such quick succession that I think one of the big frustrations for the, the, certainly the casual boxing fan is that boxing takes so much time to get things done it doesn't help itself um compared to sports like uh, MMA for example with the USC which has um the capability to get these events made so uh, you mentioned about the structure of sport and in in many ways the uh the, the the kind of makeup of boxing is such that there is no structure in boxing there is no overarching um, kind of pga or, or ufc or whoever it might be so really it's it's a sport that was ripe for the sure kind of taking over if, if you like um, and it, it's a sport that above all or probably more than any other is driven by money these are prize fighters who will fight for the most money that they can um and and, and perhaps understandably the promoters have jumped on it and, and welcomed the uh, the new investment for as long as it lasts
0: Mm. So in this specific scenario, I mean the, the appetite for Francis and Ghanu here it, it must be massive because this is this has happened. You know, Anthony Joshua's missed out on a fight with Deontay Wilder for well, copious reasons, really. But Francis and is seemingly be able to walk into the sport of boxing and and get what he wants. <laughs> how how Tom?
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 quite a story when you think where he's where he's come from. Um obviously left the, the UFC signed with uh PFL, another um organisation yet to fight for them. Um because he's kind That's of right. been given this chance in, in boxing, which vastly outweighs any any person he would possibly ever get in, uh, in MMA, but not, he, not only he's done that once now, he's done it twice in in a couple of months. Um, and he's fought the two biggest names, or will be fighting the two biggest names in the entire division, let alone, or potentially even the sport. Um, I mean, the answer to the question, how? You have to say now he's there on merit, because going into the Fury fight, that was seen very much as a, a, a bit of a freak show. It was a novelty. How would you know, we saw Mayweather McGregor. We saw what happens when an MMA fighter fights a boxer, but there was an element of okay, well, let's let's see what what Engano can do against Fury, because he's got this freakish kind of punching power. What we saw on the uh, on on Fury and Gano, of course, is that Engano gave the the lineal heavyweight champion um, in boxing a really, really tough test. And people will say that Fury didn't train or took him lightly. All of that may be true, but there's a real argument to say that Ngannou won that fight. Uh, he had Fury down. And if he lost, as he did, he, he only lost by a round or so, um, if that. So he can consider himself unlucky not to be going into this Joshua fight as the lineal heavyweight champion. Um, but obviously the way that the cards have obviously uh, have also fell with um, Parker beating Teontay Wilder that put a spanner in the works of Joshua Wilder happening next, which it was meant to um, in March. That contract was signed. Um, but Saudi have moved very, very quickly to get Ngannou into that slot instead. And it's a, a very kind of creditable uh, replacement, I think everyone agrees.
0: So what what are your colleagues and, and what is your opinion on, on Ngannou, the boxer then? Because the sample size is very limited, right? But And I guess the, the, big, the big caveat is... How screwed down was Tyson Fury for that fight? And Tyson Fury is a guy we know that when he's not really into it, he can look a little bit ordinary at times. I mean, we had previously seen that. Um, but when the chips are down, you get Tyson Fury, you know, he can become a, a, a goat contender, really. So what is the analysis of Francis Ngannou and And how does Anthony Joshua prepare for this fight?
1: Yeah, and it's an interesting question. And as you say, the sample size is one, <laughs> um, but nonetheless, Engano is is zero and one coming into this fight. He's never won a, a, a boxing match. I think the the general kind of consensus among the certainly the names that I respect and the voices I respect in the sport, um, and, and my own opinion is that Ngarno is not a is not an elite boxer. That may not be the case. He he might well be. Um, but the the general lean is that Fury had a very, very off night. Ngannou wasn't as bad as everyone thought. And there was a, this kind of perfect sweet spot where he managed to show his power. He managed to knock Fury down, though Fury has been knocked down several times. Um, so he's not certainly not the first man to do that. Uh, so I think it's kind of a perfect storm. I think if you matched Ngannou up with certainly the, the, the bulk of the top 10, 15, even 20 heavyweights, they would have a, a fairly routine night. But he's, he's this wild card at the moment that no one really knows how to prepare for. Um, Joshua has more of a brief. Fury had no idea and p- potentially he didn't really care about that. He thought that he would be good, too good regardless. Joshua now has uh, 10 rounds of, of film to, to look at. He knows all about Ngannou's power. Um, I think he will go out taking this very, very seriously. He knows the uh, the potential kind of carrot for getting this done, and I don't think he's going to underestimate Ngannou in the same way, um, particularly given that we know Joshua has his vulnerabilities as well.
0: Is there not a slant that is lose-lose for Anthony Joshua, though? I mean, he goes out and he beats Francis Ngano and he beats an 0-1-1 UFC convert that fought a undercooked Tyson Fury, he goes in there and he accidentally gets slept, and Ngannou is probably better than everyone thought. And Anthony Joshua is the laughing stock again, which he's just kind of worked his way back from.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good point. I think it's it's difficult to say it's lose lose when you're getting fifty million dollars sure. for, for <laughs> right? but, um, yeah. Good point. No, uh, I can see that. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I think I think to be honest, it's it's actually again, the general kind of feeling is that it's less of the lose-lose the than it was with Fury. Because if Joshua loses to Fury, he's lost... Uh, sorry, if Joshua loses to Ngannou, he's lost to the guy who put Fury down, who ran the lineal champion very, very close. And suddenly you've got a guy in Ngannou who's done that to the two, you know, two of the top three, really, um, best heavyweights in the sport. So I don't think, although it would still be an upset, the odds already for with the bookies are much much closer so i think the the feeling is that it this wouldn't be a complete surprise um again based on the sample size of one which is all we have to work for um the 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 kind of the upside for joshua is that again this is being seen as potentially the final hurdle uh to getting a tyson fury fight and that's the way that he will need to look at it in, in terms of not looking past Nganu on uh, 8 for much.
0: Yeah, uh, it's hard, though, when you've got your uh, promoter there. And I, I saw Eddie Hearn, you know, I, I've seen some coverage of it, and he's essentially begging Tyson Fury to beat Usyk so he, his man can get the fight. But, yeah, there there is still a couple of really interesting heavyweight uh, matchups to go before we get there. Now, you said Anthony Joshua one of the top three heavyweights really in the world, so I'm just trying to work that out. Because you've got Tyson Fury, you've got under um, Usyk, and then you've got Joseph Parker. So, what are you trying to say, Tom? The, the new improved, the new improved uh, Joseph Parker. I mean, I don't think we've spoken to anyone who didn't think that, that performance against Wilder was just a really it was a thing of beauty, and it was a, a great game plan by Andy Lee, and it was executed and. It almost yeah. felt like a turning point for Joseph Parker, who now gets this fight against Zhang, which is, in ways, equally as an interesting of a, a heavyweight matchup, isn't it?
1: I think it's a great fight, um, and again, the the fact that it's happening so quickly after Wilder is is what's really refreshing. Um, look, I'll be, I'll, I'll put my hand up. I was one of those who thought that uh, Wilder would beat Parker, uh, and most people did. Uh, Parker was still a, a massive underdog going into that. Although the resurgence, as you mentioned, under Andy Lee did give some people the the, the kind of feeling, and probably more so uh, in your part of the world, that Parker was going into that with a real chance. Um, he did everything right in that fight, he, but he didn't have to do anything particularly spectacular. Wilder, who I would have said was number three in the division going into that, just didn't look himself couldn't pull the trigger Um, but all credit to Parker did exactly what he needed to do stuck to a game plan showed the better technique showed the better um, fundamentals more patience and a clear clear winner very very deserving Um, and the Zhang fight is I think it's fascinating it's it's a very very close fight Um, and I think you can make a real real strong case for either man to win that Um, both coming off really really big wins Um, Zhang having knocked out um, Joe Joyce, who was previously the, the the kind of the most avoided iron-chinned guy in the division, um, Zhang has knocked him out twice. Uh, and no one is queuing up to fight Xi Lei Zhang. Uh, sorry, Shi Lei Zhang. Uh, and for Parker to do that straight away is um, it, it's really creditable, yeah.
0: Well, uh, well, there's so much water to go under the bridge in the division. If Parker can, mm. can get through this fight, it kind of makes 2024 a little bit limitless for him, doesn't it? And we spoke to uh, our friend Gavin Casey, who follows the scene quite closely up in uh, Ireland and knows Andy Lee well, and he yeah. said maybe it's the end of 2024 that is where Parker really gets to cash his checks, um, put his chips in, sorry, if, if he gets past this fight. It hadn't been announced then, but the end of 2024 could be fascinating. Just It could be a completely different landscape within well March 9, couldn't
1: it? It could. I think the Parker is positioned very, very favourably. He's uh, number three with the WBA, number three with the WBO, number four with the IBF, number three with the WPC. So regardless of how the the belts scatter, and we do expect them to scatter after the uh, Fury-Usyk-Undisputed fight, um, those belts will get vacated, uh, mandatories will be called. But Parker is in the position to not be far off with any of them. Now he's fighting um Zhang for the interim title with the WBO which is the same um belt that pa- Parker held previously. Um if he wins that he's likely to either be first in line for the Fury USIC winner or will be fighting for the vacant title uh, against uh, an opponent to be announced. Now the 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 great position he's in really is that he's got a choice of of uh, routes to go with. It looks like he's going the WBO route, um, but you've got the IBF, which is likely to become the first to be um, vacated. You've got Philip Pergovich, the, the crow out there. Um, he's a man in a very very kind of good position, and it's 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 really quite a turnaround. And I think yeah, it's, it's yeah, I think it's is not one that I saw, but I think. I think it's unlikely, to be honest, if I had to say now that at the end of 2024, Fury and, and Usyk will both be active. I, I expect maybe one of them to retire uh, after what will be two fights between them, you would you would imagine. Um, but after that, the yeah the picture could get quite messy um, at heavyweight, but there's no one really better place than, than Parker to take advantage of that at the moment, with the caveat that he has to beat um, Zhang in, in March, of course.
0: Yeah, no, beautifully explained, Tom. I'll get you out on this one then. Um, Just looking at the other fights on this card. So, uh, Ray Vargas, he gets to defend his WBO featherweight against Nick Bull. Uh, We've got the Aussie, Justin Hooney. He's back. Roman Fury, <laughs> another Fury pops up on the card. Is there a fight on the card or a fighter on this card that you're pretty excited for and, and you think, again, adds to the spectacle of that night?
1: Yeah, I am. I, um, arguably the best fight on the card from an action point of view could be uh, Ray Vargas against Nick Ball. Um, for the uh, WBC title down at Featherweight. Um, Ray Vargas, very well-established um, fighter, um, has proven his kind of worth at world level. Nick Ball is um, a UK fighter um, from Liverpool and has been really kind of a, a a bit of a wrecking ball in a very, very quick um, ascension through the ranks. He's a fighter to really keep an eye on. And I think um, he might not win, Uh, against Vargas, but he's a very, very fun fighter to watch. And I think for an undercard fight uh, going into Shang Parker and then obviously the main event with Joshua, um, that could be a real one to, to keep an eye on. Yeah,
0: beautiful stuff. Uh, that, that's dead right. It's it a it's a tantalising prospect, isn't it? It's another great card, and I think you, you nailed it when you said for the casuals fans, and the, the fan that kind of just wants to tune in and watch the best boxes in one place. This kind of new trend, it's, um, it's working well, and we're so so proud of Joseph Parker, to be honest, down here, to be able to turn his way around to get an opportunity like this, Tom. Uh, everybody can follow Tom at yeah. Tom Cray's great name, uh, host of the Boxing Bet Show. You can go follow him on Twitter there or X or whatever it is called. Really appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Thank you.